What's going on, everybody? You are listening to the latest episode of the Pure Sports Pod. This is Matt Wyrick along with Kevin Haswell coming at you on a Monday following a weekend uh, with some crazy um, bad news uh, in terms of Arizona and the uh, cheating that's been going on there. We'll get to that in a little bit. Of course, also Jimmy Butler going down with a meniscus tear. The good news is, or not tear, they haven't officially said tear, but you know, when it comes to these things, there's usually at least a minor one. Um, but he, he merely uh, missed. It wasn't tear. He had surgery today. He had surgery, but they didn't say the word tear in their uh, release. So uh, he did manage to not tear his ACL, which is huge. So he says he'll be back for the playoffs. But we'll get to all that in a little bit. The first thing, uh, the biggest news in the NFL this weekend, Blake Bortles signed a three-year, $54 million deal with incentives that can bring it up to $66.5 million. Uh, he has about $26.5 million guaranteed in the deal. And a lot of people are saying, is Blake Bortles worth a three-year, $54 million contract. And, Kevin, I want to pose this question to you. Do you think this is a good contract for the Jags? Um, certainly a good one for Blake Bortles. Um, but in terms of Bortles' pr- uh, play over the past few years, do you think he's worth the money? No, I really don't. I mean, I think they would have been better off letting him go in free agency and you know, trying to find a different quarterback You know, with that money. I feel like they gave him a lot of money compared to you know where his talent's at. Um, and like I said, I mean, with that amount of money, you could get you know a pretty decent quarterback in the free agent market. Um, you know, he had 13 interceptions last year, uh, only 21 touchdowns, um, only three 3,687 uh, yards. I mean, sure, he led them to a 10 and six record, but you know, I just wasn't you know excited about um, what he did. I mean, he ended up losing them uh, the, the game against the Patriots in the second half. He just you know he was good in the first half. He was good enough to get them the lead, but then you know wasn't good enough to beat the Patriots. I just don't think he's, you know, a franchise quarterback. I think, you know, his arm talent uh, is, he's, you know, bottom third in the league, and, uh, you know, he's not a great runner. So at the end of the day, I don't think Blake Bortles is that great of a quarterback, and giving him 20-whatever-million dollars guaranteed is ridiculous. For me, I, I think this is a good signing, but because of how the contract is structured and what it does for them, okay? So coming into the year, uh, into next year, if they decided to pick up Bortles' option, they had a team option, it was a $19 million cap hit. With the current deal and how it's structured next season, the Jaguars only take a $10 million hit. So this gives them the flexibility um, to sign some guys that are hitting free, free agency, such as Allen Robinson, uh, wide receiver who missed a lot of time this year, uh, and Aaron Colvin, their number three corner. Um, so, you know, behind Ramsey and Bouye. So uh, that's going to be two priorities for them, aside from also, you know, the offense in general, because their defense is pretty much locked up aside from uh, Colvin. So they're, they're basically set there. They're going to try and look at offense, their needs. Obviously, they're going to need another wide receiver. Um, they're going to need some linemen. Um, they had some injury troubles uh, at center. They had a rookie left tackle. So they're probably going to look at the guard um, position there uh, in the draft or during free agency and probably a tight end. Um, they haven't really gotten a lot of pass-catching tight ends over the past few years. So they're going to look for somebody to be a big target for Bortles. Now, in terms of the money and, and what Bortles worth, the contract only ranks 17th among quarterbacks um, in, guarantee, uh, in terms of per-year average going into next season. And it'll move down to 18th when Kirk's cousin signs and probably, you know, in case Keenum and, and Sam Bradford sign, it's going to bump it down too. So he's probably going to be about the 20th highest paid quarterback in the NFL, which is, I think, about what 
you know, Bortles is worth. No, he's not elite, but he did have a, a better year last year than he did the year before. He took some strides forward, finished with a completion percentage above 60% for the first time. You know, he, he did, you know, take the team to the AFC Championship. Obviously, the defense and the running game were big parts of that. But, you know, with Fournette missing a lot of time this year, with the injuries that he had for him to still post the numbers that he did, I, you know, I think that it was a big step for him. And I think that, you know, while he hasn't lived up to, you know, the, the talent that we thought he was going to be when he was drafted in the first round. Um, he's at least been consistent. He actually has started 64 consecutive games dating back to 2014. So, you know, at least you're getting a guy who's consistently healthy and on the field, um, somebody who can light it up on occasion um, and works well with the system that you already have. So I think in terms of, you know, what this does for the team in terms of this offseason, um, you know, they only have the number 29 picks. They're not going to have a premium draft pick. Um, this is this is setting themselves up well to repeat their success next season because you know this is a team that hasn't made the playoffs uh, in a very long time leading up to the season and to get all the way to the AFC Championship they know they have the talent you know to come out of the AFC with how like you know top heavy it is and the Steelers and the Pats and there's kind of everyone else you know the Jaguars kind of see themselves as, as trying to break into that upper tier so I, I see you know this is a great move for them and it also you know with 26.5 million guaranteed. That's, you know, a lot of money for, you know, you and me, but for in terms of quarterbacks, that's not, you know, an absurd amount or anything. And, and they could actually cut him after next season and not take huge cap hits in the next two years afterward. So all this really does for me is guarantee Blake Bortles a starting job for next season. Uh, but beyond that, if he has a down year, they could cut ties with him, uh, go to the draft or free agency for a QB. Um, and, and, you know, I think in terms of, you know, Jacksonville betting on what they had, they made it to the AFC Championship. And while you think maybe they probably weren't a better team than Steelers, they had a lucky game, you know, that's on the way it goes sometimes. And, and you, you still have to, you know, hang your hat on a great season, one that we weren't really expecting out of Jacksonville coming into the year. So I think this is a good deal, and I think they're, they're, they're moving in the right direction with the team that they have. Yeah, my problem is that they're committing to him. I mean, like you said, they can cut him after this year, but, you know, $26 million guaranteed is a lot of money to be guaranteeing to a quarterback that really isn't a top 20 talent in the NFL. Uh, I mean, you can name 20 quarterbacks easy that are better than Blake Bortles. Um, you know, he's getting paid like he's a top 20 quarterback, and he's really not. And my thing is, this team was so successful this year because of the run game and the defense. I mean, they had the number one defense in the NFL, maybe one of the best in NFL history. Um, and they had a great running back in Leonard Fournette. Played, started 13 games, uh, ran for nine touchdowns, 80 yards a game. Uh, also had a receiving touchdown with 302 yards receiving. I mean, he was a beast out of the backfield, and you know their defense with Calais Campbell was, you know, with Calais Campbell backing it was, you know, incredible. So I really don't n understand this move for Jacksonville. I think if they got a great quarterback in free agency, I uh, would have put them over the top. But you know they're really just staying put. And you know, like they said, if, if everyone else is getting better. Um, and you're staying the same, then essentially you're getting worse. Well, that's what I think that they're going to do is they're going to try and they, they're complacent with the level of quarterback play that they have, and they want to boost other things around them. Like I said, you add a pass-catching tight end, Jimmy Graham's a free agent. Maybe if you add Jimmy Graham, uh, you add Pierre Garçon to that receiving core. The problem, is, the problem is someone has to throw to them, and I'm not confident Blake Bortles is – Good but if you see, look at Blake Bortles' best games. You know, throwing he's thrown for over 400 yards before. Um, he, you know, can sling it. I just think you look at the receiving core that he's had to play with over the past few years. I mean, and your best receiver is Allen Robinson, who didn't even play very much this season because of injury. I, I just see as you know, he hasn't had enough talent around him. Jacksonville's offense has been historically bad over the past you know six seven years, and, and since Bortles has come on. I will admit it hasn't gotten much better, but you haven't been. They haven't been adding the talent. They've been stacking defense in the drafts. 
you know, because they also saw their defense was pretty bad too. And they were, they were stacking on defense, you know, making good free agent signings, getting high draft picks uh, on the defensive side of the ball. And now that their defense is where they want it to be, they're going to try and get their offense to catch up. So if they can add talent around Bortles, I think he's a top 20 QB. I think they're paying him what about he'll be. I don't, you know, he's like, not going to be top 10 quarterback in the NFL, and he's not being paid it like he is. And and they have a contingency plan for if, you know, he doesn't pan out, they'll be able to cut ties with him after the season uh, and, and not take too much of a cap hit. I mean, I, I think this is a great move in terms of, you know, there's a risk very little risk involved, and you know they have a contingency plan for in case things don't work out. So, uh, question: You said he's thrown for 400 yards in the game. Has not. Second, it was like what 380 something. Yes, he's thrown for 300 yards four times this season out of 16 starts. Right? How many times has he thrown less than 200 yards? Six times. He's really not a good quarterback. But look at who the offensive line had so many injuries this year. The carousel can, of a can, wide receiving core. Can, Who's he going to throw to? Allen Robinson. He was hurt. Tell what? What are you talking about? You keep saying you were like, oh, Leonard Fournette's missed half the season. Leonard Fournette played 13 games. So I didn't not, say half the season. Yeah, you said he missed a lot of time. Three games is not a lot of time. Um, let's see. Receiving. How many games did Allen Robinson play this year? Oh, yeah, I forgot. I, mm-hmm. I, I was thinking mm-hmm. of Allen Hearns. But and Hearns is no by no means you know a top wide receiver. I think you had a guy like Garcon. You know, somebody who's a veteran who uh, has had a lot of success in the past. Alan Robinson tore his ACR. Yeah, yeah. So I, he just hasn't had a lot of talent around him. And I think you no, 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 you no. build up an offense around Blake Bortles, you're going to have a decent. He they're has, not their talent is the defense. He has, he has a great, great running back. That's it, though. The offensive line not great. And if anything, it's more of a pass offensive line than I mean a rushing offensive line that is a pass blocking one. Um, and, and no receivers and no pass catching tight end. Uh, you know, I, I can't even remember the tight end's name. He's just been such a disappointment since they brought him on. Mercedes Lewis. Yeah, Mercedes Lewis. So I don't, I don't really believe in anyone that's around him right now. But you bring in a guy like Jimmy Graham, you bring in a guy like Pierre Garçon, that gives him a weapon. That someone you know to go across from Allen Robinson on the other side of the field. I think that opens up a lot of passing lanes for Bortles. And, and yes, maybe he's not a top twenty quarterback right now. I've said it in the past. Maybe he's not. But I think if you give him enough people around him, that could mold him into being a top twenty quarterback. Okay, so. I don't know where you're getting at the, the worst offensive line in football, or a bad offensive line because they're ranked top 10 in the NFL offensive line according to pressures allowed and average yards um, per snap. So, you know, 10th in the NFL according to NFL.com. Um, but they've still got rookies. They've had injury problems. And when you... I mean, obviously not if they're if they're ranking top 10. I mean, you can't, you can't argue with those numbers. That's over a whole season. I mean, this, you know, they're in the likes of, you know, the Steelers, Raiders, Vikings... Chargers, who all had great offensive lines this year. So, you know, I don't think you can – I know how hard you want to make excuses for Blake Boyles right now. He did not have that great of a year this year. I mean, he drove for less than 200 yards six different times, including one game where he only threw for 95 yards. I mean, come on. I mean, And how many rushing yards did Leonard they, Fournette have in that game? I mean, like – He averaged 80 yards per game. Which is good for a running back. Yeah, for and a quarterback the, averaging less. But than Bortles isn't yards. the primary guy in the offense, and they're not, you know, trying to make him that guy. But they're thinking if we can add a receiving core because they were had to rely listen, so heavily listen, on the run. Listen, tell me how this makes sense. Quarterback is the most important position in football, and you're telling me that the Jaguars should be complacent about Blake Bortles not being the best player in their offense. No, they shouldn't. They should go out again, quarterback. That will be the the the. Okay. Okay. Let's offense. let's say that. And let's right say now, right, right now, now it's literally Leonard Fournette and then throw a dip and dunk and 
you know, than a bad throw, than an interception. I mean, you saw in camp, Allen Robinson was like, dude, come on, you can't even complete a pass. Blake Borders is garbage. He does not deserve this money, and this is ridiculous. I mean, he's right. He has a tenth best offensive line in football. He has a top one or two defense in the NFL. He's got a really good running back. And guess where I they mean, went? The AFC on. Championship game. They won with ten him. games. They won ten games with the best defense in the NFL. You know how many games the Vikings won this year with the be- one of the best defenses in the NFL? And an amazing wide receiving core. They had Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. No, you know who made them look good? Case Keenum. Thank you. Yes, and, you know and of they, course, and you know what they all have in common. Listen, listen. That they all have in common. Great running back, right? Mm-hmm. So you got Jarek McKinnon and uh, Latavius Murray. Latavius Murray. We're, we're very good compared to Leonard Fournette. Very even. Offensive lines, both in the top ten. Defense, both in the top three. Vikings won three more games. You know why? But they where did those two talent? teams get to? They had a more talented quarterback. Both teams got to the AFC championship, the conference championship game. They both games, finished the same three place. Three game difference is what I'm saying. You put you put a good quarterback on the Jaguars, they win more games. Simple as that. You add Vikings, a good wide Vikings, receiving core. The Vikings don't. No, no, no. Let's not do that because the wide receiver core starts with the quarterback. You see it every year in New England. You see it every year, um, and you know you used to see it every year with Peyton Manning. Every quarterback makes his wide receivers. Wide receivers don't make quarterbacks. It's the way the game goes. Let's say they cut ties with Bortles. Right, they go into this offseason. That's nineteen million they're saving in cap hits. Okay, top quarterbacks they might be signing. Kirk Cousins. Going to be the highest paid quarterback in the history of NFL. Highest paid player in the history of NFL. Maybe Sam Bradford. Maybe Case Keenum. Maybe Teddy Bridgewater. All of these guys are going to be paid more than $19 million in cap space. 100% guaranteed. They are saving themselves money to get on other positions that they have seen are bigger holes than what Blake Bortles name, provided name, at quarterback. Name a positional hole. You're going to say wide receiver. Tight end, wide receiver. Those okay. are the two biggest right. holes on their roster. Uh, I would say quarterback. I think Alan Hearns is better at wide receiver than Blake Bortles is at quarterback. I strongly disagree. I think Alan Robinson also. Alan Robinson is, they're fine with him being the receiver when he comes back, but they need somebody to go opposite. And Alan Hearns is not that guy. Okay. So you also have to remember that A.J. McCarron's a free agent. There's, there's, there's multiple. Yeah, A.J. McCarron is not proven. Okay, I would rather uh, have a guy who is able to th- go better, an entire better. season throwing 60% than going with a guy who's rode behind Andy Dalton, of now, all people, this, this for will, the past two this years. This will show you how good Blake Bortles is. I'd rather have Josh McCown as the Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback. Next I year. like Josh McCown. I don't exactly. see I think they're comparable agent. quarterbacks. And you could pay him less than $52 million. Uh, Probably not, honestly. Josh uh, McCown Josh has McCown had... Josh McCown is 37 just, years old. But just came off a pretty good year. He's going to sign a one-year deal. Yeah, and you sign him a one-year $19 million or something with, like, what, $10 million guaranteed? Yeah, I'd rather have a guy who... Look, Blake Bortles is young, okay? And if you think about this, would you rather have... You know, take the names off of it for a second. Would you rather have a 37-year-old quarterback who, you know, ha- is coming off a good year, but you're only going to be able to sign a one-year? Or would you rather have a 27-year-old quarterback who just came off a better year than the year he took before, had to strides forward, sign him to a team-friendly three-year deal where you can able to be cut ties with him if he doesn't pan out. It makes sense. It's only because the Blake Bortles name is attached to it that you have a problem with it. Yes, that's the whole point. No, they but you got to look at like you got to look at the value of these money. players. They got worse and spent more money. That's what they did. They did not get worse. They, they stayed the same. Everyone else is getting better. Who? Who's understand. gotten better so far? Uh, the 49ers? Okay. They had the quarterback already. They're not getting better. They're the same. They are. They're the same. They have the same quarterback that they had in week 17 of last year. Am I wrong? They get Jimmy Garoppolo for a whole season. Okay. They'll finish with a better record. They will finish with a better record. Yes. There you go. They're also in the NFC. Okay. Okay. I'm saying teams are getting better, and they're not. No one's gotten better because free agency hasn't even opened yet. 
You're trying to tell me that teams that have made trades have not gotten better. I think that's ridiculous. I think the Chiefs got Patrick Mahomes starting for a whole 16 games, which is not an upgrade of Alex Smith, and that's the only difference they got the on any team. Corner in football with the trade and the third round pick, and got rid of the quarterback. They got better. They got better. They did what they needed to do. Redskins needed what they did what they needed to do because they're going to lose Kirk Cousins regardless, unless they franchise tagged him for a third of their salary cap. It's not going to do. They got better. They got a quarterback that's serviceable, and you know, while I might not agree with that giant deal. You know, they got better. They got better than they were. And the be. Jaguars, a team better. that made it to they the AFC Championship, they got to the AFC Championship game. No, they are course. already among the elite NFL teams. Uh, that's very debatable. AFC Championship doesn't lie. I mean, all right. Well, we're going to go ahead and move on uh, from there. Go ahead and I, switch I'll, over. I would love to put a wager on the Jacksonville Jaguars season this year. I think the Let's the wait biggest, and see how free agency goes. I think they're the biggest candidate to flop um, after a good season last year. I, th- I see them more as a 7 I think they're going to win at least 12 games. But we're going to wait and see how free agency goes before we make any kind of wager. All right, big news over in Arizona. Sean Miller, head coach, um, his phone calls were intercepted by the FBI uh, between him and Christian Dawkins, an employee for ASM Sports agent Andy Miller, um, during which they discussed paying $100,000 to ensure that top um, recruit DeAndre Ayton, a freshman center, uh, would commit to the program. Uh, Miller stepped away for the team's Saturday 98-93 loss to Oregon, in which Aiton scored 28 points and secured 18 rebounds. Um, Aiton's family has denied participating in any illegal activities whatsoever. Um, and, and so now we're going to have to move forward with Arizona, uh, them trying to figure out what to do uh, with Sean Miller and as well as Aiton. It hasn't been determined, you know, what you know, if the fates, what Aiton's fate is going to be. But as far as Miller goes, he probably won't be coaching uh, in the foreseeable future. Not sure if he'll get hired anywhere else either. Um, but there is a clause in his contract, surprisingly. This is kind of unheard of uh, in head coaching deals. But even if he's fired, he's guaranteed $10.3 million, uh payout from Arizona. So um, it's kind of just an uh, you know, anomaly in sports and a team, something that I, I can't believe that Arizona would ever agree to. Um, but he's guaranteed that money. Um, they've already lost one of its top two recruits for next season in Sharif O'Neal, ranked number 33 in the country by 247 Sports. Um, punishments are certainly going to be severe for Miller and Arizona, um, but you know, too early to tell uh, for Aiden and, and just the, the severity of those penalties. So, Kevin, what's your takeaway here? Um, you know, This is a part of a broader investigation the FBI is doing into the NCAA, specifically college basketball, for paying players. And you know, This seems like it might be the first of uh, you know, many dominoes to fall. Yeah, you know, a lot of the names that showed up in this FBI report um, had to do with getting dinner with agents. So, you know, Wendell Carter uh, was actually, you know, they, the rumor, the FBI report said that he was paid, uh, you know, for a $70 meal, an agent paid for a $70 meal for him. So that side of it, I really think is kind of BS. You know, I think, I don't think a kid should be punished because an agent bought him dinner. Um, I don't think that's ridiculous. But, you know, $100,000, obviously that's got to be, um, you know, out of the works. I mean... DeAndre Aiden's a bet. You know, I'd pay 100k for DeAndre Aiden to go to my school. I mean, he's you know seven foot one, 250, player efficiency rating of 32 this year. I mean, he's been ridiculous, and you know he's a big reason why Arizona why Arizona has been um, you know a top 10 team this year. I mean, you even saw it last night under all the scrutiny. He had 28 points, 18 rebounds, and five blocks last night um, against Oregon. I mean, it was a loss, but you know what a game. Um, but you know, I think that, I mean there was a rumor earlier this offseason that Sean Miller was in fact you know doing this whole pay paying players scheme um so you know now that it comes out it's not too surprising um 
But, yeah, I don't think he's ever going to coach in college basketball again. I think that's, no, not going to happen. I think that's ridiculous. I mean, $100,000 is a lot of money. I mean, you can you can look at a lot of these players saying, you know, an agent paid them a certain amount of money. But $100,000, that's that's a lot. Um, so, no, let, you know, DeAndre Aiden, we got to give him some credit, though, this year. I mean, 19.9 points, uh, 11.2 rebounds, two blocks a game, uh, shooting 61% from the field in 33 minutes a game. Uh, you know, probably a front runner for uh, Pac-12 player, Pac-12 player of the year. Um, and you know, I it's unfortunate, but I think he'll play out the rest of the year. I think, uh, you know, at the end of the day, they're gonna have to find out. They're gonna have to have hard proof that he was paid actual yeah, money. Yeah, he accepted any kind yeah, of money. They're gonna have to, you know, look into that. And if, if there's proof that he accepted money, then he's not gonna be able to play. But until then, it means he'll be able to play. And I think this investigation takes longer than the rest of the season. Um, so I think at the end of the day, I mean, he'll play out the NCAA tournament and uh, he'll play. In, he'll go in the NBA. Uh, you know, he'll be a top ten pick in the NBA draft. But yeah, I think Sean Miller's career um, as a college basketball coach is definitely over. Yeah, it's too bad. I mean, Arizona's been consistently among the top teams in the country over the past few years, especially since Sean Miller took over the program. Um, and, and for this to come out, you know, it's certainly surprising. Uh, well, not not after you know finding out of that uh, his assistant coach. Um, was already uh, charged earlier this season, and it was only a matter of time, really, uh, you know, before we found out whether Miller was involved. So now that we know he is, um, there's certainly going to be some overhaul. I think, you know, they clean house in terms of that coaching staff. And it, it, the report already shows that multiple assistant coaches were involved um, and multiple agents. So uh, this is a huge scandal, one that's going to rock Arizona. I mean, you know, obviously it's a different kind of issue, but it's reminiscent of Penn State's um, scandal with Joe Paterno and uh, – you know, the, the entire uh, sex abuse scandal there. So it, I think it's going to have similar ramifications. Um, they could receive a ban um, from March Madness, uh, you know, in the foreseeable future, uh, similar to what Syracuse saw um, two years ago, or was it three years ago? Um, and I, I just, you know, it's, there's clearly a major problem here in the NCAA. Uh, this seems to be, you know, there's, there's rumors of, of course, Kentucky and, and, um, uh, you know, top-tier programs paying off players. You know, obviously, no proof, but you know, people love to to you know create rumors about stuff like that. So it seems like you know there we're going in a direction where there's going to be some kind of uh, agreement made in terms of compensating college athletes, and and that's where you know this bigger issue comes in. What does the NCAA do about this? Okay, do they continue to ban all forms of payment? Uh, that's certainly an option. There's going to be scandals, and it doesn't put them in a good light. But you know, they enforce their rule and hope to you know, clean it out as best they can. That's why the FBI is FBI is involved in the first place. Um, or you know, they they start to give some leeway, and I think they've got two options here. Um, one, you know, they give uh, they have let schools pay athletes to come to the school. I think that's going to be crippling for the NCAA in terms of uh, colleges themselves having to pay athletes. I mean, if you think about you know. How many athletes are, are um, scholarshiped among every program? I mean, you're, you're not just talking basketball and football. You're talking women's lacrosse. You're talking field hockey. You're talking swim and dive. I mean, all these scholarships that, that players are getting, they're going to start demanding some compensation as well if, that, if that's, you know, open. Uh, that's how schools are going to get the best recruits. That's going to take away from fan experiences. You know, how, you know, ticket prices are going to go up. Um, concessions at games are going to go up. Uh, you're no longer going to be able to stream certain teams. I mean, I know just going to JMU, we're able to watch um, our games online for free um, on what's called Matazone. Uh, that's going to go away if they have to start paying players. Uh, so I think that poses a major issue. Where I see there being leeway here and something maybe they can look into is allowing players to sign endorsement deals. 
You know, if, if players are able to sign with Nike or um, Pepsi or whoever and be sponsors, you know, they'll be able to bring back those NCAA basketball games, which, you know, the NCAA would be able to make money off of, um, you know, putting the players in uh, all the logos and everything. I think, you know, that, that could be a, a, a very good compromise because, I mean, yes, the, the NCAA would lose money because they wouldn't have all the sole marketing in their players, but it's not like they would lose all of it. You know, it's teams, like, you just look at professional teams. I mean, there's still certain things that they regulate. Um, they have their own ads, their own, like, you know, they market their players as much as they can. None of that's going to go away. It's more so that there's just going to be other avenues for it for the players. And I think this could be a really good compromise that could kind of, you know, eliminate stuff like this from happening um, more so than just cracking down and, and and, you know, investigating and all this kind of stuff. Because there's going to be people, or there's always going to be people who try to, you know, skirt by the rules. And you'll still be able to, you know, have your own checks and balances for ensuring the rules are being followed. But in addition to that, you're going to have less of an incentive for coaches to do stuff like this because players will still be able to, you know, <coughs> excuse me, why would I take, you know, $20,000 from a school when I could, you know, if I'm a top recruit, if I can just make that, you know, from Nike. You know, that, why would I want to break the rules if I know I'm going to be able to make that kind of money uh, in an endorsement deal anyway? So I feel like this is a way for the NCAA to kind of loosen up on its rules a little bit and, and let players, you know, be, you know, they have such a big spotlight. Why not give them, you know, that little bit of leeway, you know, extra incentive for working hard as a kid um, to be, you know, a college athlete? Yeah, see, I, I kind of understand where you're coming from with that idea. But when it comes down to it, college sports is an amateur athletics, you know, commission. So, you know, these players aren't allowed to play They make if they make money off their name um, or their likeness or anything. So, you know, I just don't think that will ever work. I don't think the NCAA would ever let that happen. Um, and, then, you know, it's just not feasible to pay players uh, for universities. I mean, I know at JMU, um, it's not even possible. I mean, every kid's tuition would have to get times by four or something, something ridiculous like that be able to pay every athlete because, you know, there's sports like field hockey, uh, lacrosse, and um, other ones that don't bring in as much money as, you know, the, the likes of football um, and college basketball. So, you know, at the end of the day, these players aren't going to get paid. Um, you know, I think they're just going to be stricter with the rules or, you know, they're going to have to go back to, you know, letting kids go to the NBA out of, out of uh, high school. You know, I mean, that's going to eliminate a lot of kids from getting paid in college. I mean, they know they, know they can go to the NBA and make money. Um, then they're going to do that over, you know, maybe being a part of an NCAA investigation. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think the best thing is to go back to, you know, letting the players go to the NBA out of high school. If they want to try to earn money early, they can. If not, they can wait one year and, oh, God, it sucks that you get a free education, free food, free everything out of college. But, you know, people, people love to say college athletes don't get paid, but they do. I mean, mm -hmm. they get paid a free tuition, free food, free books, free everything. I mean, it's – it's basically eighty thousand dollars. If you stay four years, it's eighty to one hundred thousand dollars. If you're out of state, it's like hundred twenty, hundred forty thousand dollars. I mean, yeah, I know. For me, I mean, I was thinking about going to University of Cincinnati. It's one hundred fifty k for four years. I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, Ivy League schools are sixty k a year. Um, that's you know that adds up to two hundred forty thousand over four years. I mean, to say you're not getting paid, you're you're getting the value of education. That's you know two hundred forty thousand dollars. It's a lot of money. Um, and you know, I think. You need to take more value in the education system. Um, some of these players do, or just go to the NBA straight out of high school. I think they need to bring that rule back. You know, I a lot of these players um, are good enough to do so. I mean, you're talking DeAndre Aiden, seven foot one, two fifty. You know, averaging a double double. Marvin Bagley definitely looks like an NBA player already. I mean, there's a lot of players out there that are talented enough to play in the NBA already. You know, definitely need you know need to make some money. 
or want to make some money. So, um, you know, why don't get, why don't you give them that avenue? And then I think less people will break the rules. Yeah, I mean, I feel like taking away all those athletes from college basketball would be crippling for the for the NCAA simply because you know they'd be losing so much star talent. Uh, I don't think they'd ever want that to happen. I think that's partially the NBA's you know decision as to when they they decide to do that. Um, but you know I, I can't see the NCAA um, giving up all of those star players. You know that's think about all those teams that would be losing. You know. You know Marvin Bagley not playing in, has generated so much buzz this year uh, in terms of the NCAA. That's purely the reason people tune in to watch Duke is to watch him play. Um, you know, you take that away, that's so much marketing you're losing, it's so much ticket sales. I mean, everything. I, I can't imagine the NCAA approving something like that. But um, in terms of, uh, like you said, how unfeasible it is to pay um, uh, college athletes, you, you're not even considering. You know, they're going to probably have, schools are going to have to start pulling from their other budgets in order to pay for athletics more. You know, you think about just non-athletes at colleges, uh, all those academic scholarships that the schools provide, you know, like the top art student, the top English student, top, uh, you know, whatever, all the science um, scholarships, those are going to start to go away because teams put such a premium on athletics, you know, uh, schools like Duke, like Alabama, um, that yeah. are literally... See, you, know, the, the, you can't mention any private schools because private schools have a ridiculous amount. Like Duke, yeah. pro- not only a private school, it costs $60,000 to go there and... You know, the alumni that come out of Duke right. are big donors. But if we're talking about UNC and Alabama, which, you know, still have big donors, that's if you're not even considering all this money that they're losing. I mean, these are schools that are still going to have to offer free rides to these students, too. They're not just going to pay them. Okay, so Alabama's another bad example, simply off the fact that their football program last year made $50 million. After, you know, they already paid all those scholarships off. Yeah. They How much do you that. think they're going to have to pay to students, to, to athletes, and cross the fifty million dollars stays in athletics, right? Yeah, so they're going to lose that. Mo- they're going to lose that fifty million. But they don't need that money from the rest of the school. If they have fifty million. Yes, they will because that they're money goes revenue. to things. That money, revenue. that that revenue goes to other things. Okay, okay, and a lot of schools also state schools get funding from the state that mm-hmm. balances out their athletic programs. Like JMU does not make money off their sports. The uh, state of Virginia gives them money towards athletics that evens it out. We don't we wouldn't take money from the English department to put it towards a football stadium because, you know, they just wouldn't let that happen. I mean that's I think that's I mean I'm a huge sports fan, but that's ridiculous. Well no, they reach schools reshuffle their budget all the time and you know take money away. And it's not like directly like this money that used to go to English is now going to here, but they're more saying like we're gonna take this percentage of the budget and donate to athletics. And it might have to balloon a little bit more so than it is already. I mean, and talk, talk, talking about schools like UNC and Alabama, who, yes, generated UNC gets so much money from its uh, college basketball, and Alabama also, gets so much money from football. But you, you gotta think of, you know, what do they do with you, that 50 million? It doesn't just sit around. It's really hard to mention a lot of the bigger schools because a lot of these schools don't have problems because they're in big conferences, they have big TV contracts, they have big donors. Those, those schools, I mean, we were talking to Kurt Dudley the other day. Shout out to Kurt. Literally, Baylor, I mean, has spots underneath their football stadium that, what did he say, costs millions of dollars. Millions of dollars just for a parking spot. I mean, you exactly. get other perks, I mean, too. So but, yeah. those are, I mean, if you have donors like that, which JMU doesn't, if you have donors like that, you don't have to afford anything. Or, I mean, you have you can afford anything. I mean, it's, but the, it's you, ridiculous. You know, and, that's, I, and that's Baylor. I mean, they haven't been successful in football in three or four years. They won two or three games last year. I mean... There's all these big schools, they have huge donors. I mean, even a school down two hours down the road or 45 minutes away, I mean, Tech and UVA both have big donors. I mean, there's a reason that their athletics are so successful. I mean, they have, you know, many donors that build these gigantic facilities, and it doesn't come out of the school's budget. But 
that also, you know, and ESPN pays a lot of money for ACC schools to have the rights to the ACC network and such. So, you know, these schools are also bringing in, you know, TV contracts on, on top of those donors. Um, so, you know, I, I understand what you're saying. I mean, smaller schools, like every school in the CAA probably has problems with athletics, you know, budgets and, and such. Um, but, you know, the, some of those bigger schools, I think the Power 5 schools are just fine. I mean, I think you are underestimating what kind of hit this would be, but at the same time, I hear what you're saying. No, if, I they're, know. Paying, if they're paying players, then everyone's going to go bankrupt. Yeah. But but if they keep the system they have right now, then they're fine. Oh, yeah. No, I think the system we have now is fine. I'm talking about players, uh, you know, outside of JMU. Of, of JMU would not exist if we had to pay players. No, no not a chance. It wouldn't exist because you have to. You probably have to pay football players the same price as you pay field hockey players or, you know, Volleyball, basketball, yeah. Volleyball and basketball or whatever. I'm not downplaying those sports. I'm just saying they don't, they don't generate the revenue. Money. Yeah, They don't generate the same amount of revenue. So, you know, just, you know, volleyball doesn't bring in any revenue, and then you have to pay all these players a certain fixed amount. Um, you know, it's really going to hurt the university and the athletics program. It will. All right, well, that's going to wrap it up for the NCAA. We'll go ahead and talk. Jimmy Butler, uh, the injury going on right now, torn meniscus or, you know, whatever – Whatever the heck happened to his meniscus. Um, Minnesota did move into third place in the West over the weekend, but Butler, who's averaging the highest minutes on the team, 37.1, highest points on the team in 22.2, in addition to 5.4 rebounds per game and 5 assists per game, uh, required surgery and put an uncertain timetable on his return. Butler claims he'll be back in time for the playoffs, and his doctors seem optimistic. Um, but in the meantime, uh, Minnesota is going to see an uptipping minute, uptick in minutes for Jamal Crawford, who already has 19 minutes a game but played uh, came off the bench and played 28 minutes against the Bulls um, in their f- team's first game without Butler. Um, and then Nemanja Behilica, oh man, uh, who averages 16 minutes a game, he got the start uh, just the 15th, fifth time this season uh, and played 33 minutes, so almost doubling the amount of minutes he plays per game. Um, so both those players are going to have to you know, take out more of an increased role with Butler out. Um, but what does this mean, Kevin, for the Western Conference? I mean, we have the Spurs losing Kawhi indefinitely, having lost uh, four in a row entering the game against Cleveland uh, on Sunday, in which they won, uh, so got back on track there. But uh, what does this do in terms of Oklahoma City, Portland, Denver, New Orleans, and Utah uh, moving up the standings? I think it really gives the Thunder a nice little path here. Um, you know, I watched the Spurs game today. They, they really dismantled the Cavs down the stretch. I still think without Kawhi Leonard, um, they have a real shot of getting that number three seed uh, and staying in it, uh, especially, you know, with this Jimmy Butler injury. If Jimmy Butler didn't get hurt, I think they're the number three team in that Western Conference, and they're probably Spurs four, Thunder five. Um, but, you know, with Kawhi Leonard not coming back and uh, maybe not coming back for the playoffs, and then you have Jimmy Butler who, you know, says he's going to be back for the playoffs, but, you know, meniscus injuries, you know, pretty serious, uh, could miss the playoffs. So, you know, right there, that, that's an avenue for the Thunder to move up into number three. I mean, if they can, you know, I don't know how many games back they are, but they can make that move up the standings. I, I think they have a nice path there. Um, I don't think anyone past the Thunder really has a chance to move past. Maybe um, the Jazz. I don't think. Wait, what'd you say? The Jazz playing really well right now. Yeah, I mean, the Jazz are playing really well right now. 1-12 of the last 13. Um, they're hurting your, your Pelicans' chances. Making Although the Pelicans won five straight, so they're, they're looking pretty good right now, too. And, and with the Spurs... Uh, and the Timberwolves getting these injuries, I think it, you know there's there's still a chance. I think my, you know my bet could pay off. Um, no, Pelicans so. slipping into that top five seed. Spurs. I watched the Spurs today. They're very dominant um, against a really good Cavs team. I really like how they played. I think with Greg Popovich. I mean, I think at this point, 
if the, the Spurs end up being a, you know, a top three seed in the Western Conference in the year, I think Greg Popovich has to be the coach of the year. I mean, without Kawhi Leonard, um, they're missing Manu Ginobili right now. I mean, they're missing multiple players, and they're still, you know, at the top of their game. Uh, I mean, I watched it today, and Danny Green was on fire. I mean, he hit four threes, scored 22 points off the bench. Uh, really like what I saw of him. And LaMarcus Aldridge, you know, has been terrific this year as well. It's so. really just been Patty Mills taking a step back. It's really hurt this team, I think, but aside from, obviously, the injuries. I mean, you've been hoping that he could step in. Tony Parker, obviously, on this huge decline in his career. But Mills hasn't really been the guy that everyone thought he would be coming into the year. And I think that, you know, if the Spurs are going to go deep in the playoffs, they're going to need some better play from him. Yeah, and I really like the, the play of Pau Gasol, too. I mean, Pau Gasol, I mean, year after year, is just, you know, a terrific, solid player down low. Um, and, you know, I, I like what he's done this year. And Aldridge is, you know, he's he's been great. So, you know, I, I think the Spurs will probably be a top-five seed no matter what. Um, but, you know, the Timberwolves definitely probably – not definitely probably. <laughs> they will fall um, – the Timberwolves will fall past the Spurs. I think they end up as the number five. Then you probably go Spurs-Thunder. Um, especially without the injuries are falling right now. But, you know, let's take a minute to appreciate Jimmy Butler this year. I mean, 22 points per game, uh, five rebounds, five assists, almost two steals a game, one of the best defensive, you know, 3 and D guys in the NBA. So, you know, 28 years old, you know, you hope him, you hope for the best for him. But, you know, this this time, Timberwolves team's got a lot of other talent. And I think, you know, I think they'll be just fine. You know, another team that not a lot of people are talking about that could be impacted by the injury as well is the, is the Trailblazers. I mean, they're right there in the middle of the uh, the Western Conference standings. Uh, I believe it's fifth right now, but they're only like a game or so out um, of that spot. So, I mean, you know, they've got some great scores. Um, you know, Damian Lillard is obviously one of the best point guards in the game. Offensively, uh, C.J. McCollum, the two of them make one of the best backcourts in the NBA. And Nurkic, uh, a guy who doesn't really get a lot of, you know, hype, but um, has started all 57 games he's played in this year, averaging 14 points per game, um, 8.3 rebounds per game. Um, and 1.3 blocks. So I've liked what I've seen out of him. I think you know he's been somebody who has been reliable for them in the front court um, in a couple of past years. They haven't really had like you know a dominant center. I think he's kind of been filling that role well this year. Um, not maybe not necessarily dominant, but certainly you know above average. Um, and he's been you know as integral a role as any in, in putting the Trailblazers in the position they are right now. Yeah, I've, I've yeah. kind of looked at the Blazers as the Western Conference Raptors. I don't know about you, but it feels like they, they keep, you know, they score a ton of points, finish among the top in the, in the regular season, but then flame out in the postseason. Um, you know, yeah, obviously. I mean, the Raptors are definitely way better than Trump. This season, yes. I mean, but I, look at the past, like, five years is what I'm talking about. Yeah, you know, a team that I think they're a little bit better. I mean, I think the Raptors have been consistently better in the last five years. I think they have a you know deeper team than the Trailblazers over the last five years. Um, they just choke in the playoffs. The Trailblazers, the difference between Trailblazers and the Raptors is Trailblazers get to the playoffs, and it's not that they don't play well. They just, you know, they're an eight or seven seed, and they have to play one of the top teams in the Western Conference and end up getting beat in four or five games. Whereas the Raptors, you know, they end up a three or four seed, um, and, you know, Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan just choke. Who would so, you rather have uh, on your team? Which which backcourt, Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan or um, Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum? I would rather have uh, CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard. I think you know they're de- they're younger, um, they're quicker, they're better shooters. Um, you know they showed up in the playoffs uh, a lot more, a lot better than you know Kyle Lowry, um, Kyle Lowry and Demar Derozan. They're, they're battle tested. I mean they play in the Western Conference. Uh, they make the playoffs every year. So you know I like those two guys. Um, I just think they're in the wrong situation. Yeah, I mean it, it's been unfortunate. It's just how good the Western Conference has been and. Um, you know, teams like the Blazers kind of get lost in the dust when you look at the Rockets and the, the Warriors and the Spurs. 
Um, you know, they're just not in that class. But it, you know, with with these injuries, I mean, we're looking at, you know, a, a different Western Conference than we're used to because you know the Timberwolves are good. Um, Thunder are not like you know since Durant left, they're not really you know the same type of team. Um, you know, obviously more Westbrook reliant. Um, the Rockets have, have elevated in the past few years, and, and you know they looked like a top two team last year, and they are again this year. Them and the Warriors are obviously number one, number two. But with the Spurs, the injuries, um, you know, it's, it's devastating for them. They don't look like they can go very deep in the playoffs. Um, the Nuggets are playing really well. The Pelicans, despite the the Boogie Cousins injury, they're still you know seventh in the the West and, and playing really well right now. I think they're playing some of the best basketball they have all year. Drew Holiday, absolutely, you know, taking his game to another level lately. Um, so this is an interesting, and the Clippers are completely out of it. So, uh, this is a different Western conference than we're used to. Um, but I think it's going to make for a more competitive one. I mean, even with these injuries, um, obviously, you know, you've got those one, two teams that we're probably going to see in the Western conference finals, but up until then, um, you know, it's anybody's bet who's going to win any playoff series at a given time. I mean, um, you stack up the, the Nuggets and, uh, the Spurs right now, I might take Nuggets, honestly, which, you know, coming into the season might not have seemed, you know, like the same kind of. You know, wouldn't even have been a discussion. Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, yeah, sure, the Nuggets are good. Uh, I've been pretty good over the last you know, few weeks, and you know they're in that playoff hunt. But at the same time, you know, I think you always got to go with Greg Popovich. Yeah, I mean, obviously he's favored, but and, and you also, you know, not only that, I mean, the Spurs will get home field advantage, home court advantage. They'll only you know get four of the seven games at home. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I just got to got to go with the Spurs. I mean. Coaching, they're veterans. I mean, the, th- the Nuggets are definitely an up-and-coming team. I like some of the guards they have. I like Jokic. I mean, Jokic had what 18 assists in a game last week out of a center. That's ridiculous. But you know, I really like this Nuggets team. But you gotta go with the Spurs. Yeah, they're two and two against each other this season. Um, with um, actually uh, the Nuggets taking two of their last three games against uh, San Antonio. So um, kind of funny there how that's happened, but without. Um, Kawhi Leonard, you know, that's been an interesting um, development here. So, uh, Marcus Aldridge actually scored 38 points in that loss. So, hey, how about what a guy? How about Philadelphia becoming a uh, free agent hub for these buyouts? Did you see uh, they got Marco Bellinelli last week, and then today they got Urson Ilyasova? Uh, you know, really getting these buyout guys that don't want to play for other teams. Um, you know, I think the Sixers team has a chance to go far in the playoffs. I, I know that people were laughing at me, they won seven in a row. You know, they really they have a chance to get up to the number four seed in the Eastern Conference um, if they play well these next like, you know twenty games. Um, they're losing the Wizards right now. But yeah, by nine right now. We're we got we're recording got, on a Sunday rolling, night. So. I got it rolling on my iPad right now. But you know, I think the Sixers. You know, the way Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are playing together right now, I think if Robert Covington can start shooting the ball a little more consistently from three, I think they got a real shot. Um, you know, a lot of people are going to laugh at me when I say you know they're a pretty good matchup for the Celtics, but. I think they're a pretty good matchup for the Celtics, so you know we'll see come playoff time, we'll see how it rolls out. But you know I'm excited for the playoffs; it should be a good one. Yeah, I gotta say I think a Wizards Sixers playoff series would be a lot of fun to watch with the front court of um, Philadelphia and the back court of, of Washington. Um, and, and you know Sadoransky evolving for Washington has been huge for them. I think in terms of their bench play, once Wall comes back, um, he's going to match up well. You know he's going to get more minutes. Uh, which he certainly deserves with the way he's played. Um, I've, I've been impressed. You know, w- Wizards been up and down all the season, but after everything's all said and done, they're a game out of the three seed. Um, you know, just beat the Cavs uh, coming out of the break. You know, they're still a good team and, and one that 
you know, maybe they figure things out by the end of the year and are still, a, a, you know, a force to be reckoned with in the playoffs. I still think they're a good matchup for the Cavs, maybe not so the Celtics. I think they're a better matchup for the Cavs than the Celtics are. Um, but I think you're right in that the Sixers are a good matchup for Boston, probably a better one than Washington. Um, so, you know, I think Eastern Conference playoffs have the potential to be just as fun as the West. I mean, I think- there's less there's less certainty about who's going to be, you know, in that Eastern Conference Finals game. I mean, right now the, the Raptors look like, you know, a, a team that could be, you know, right there along with Boston. Um, the, the Cavs, yes, they, uh, you know, have a new team and they look better. They just lost, so they're, they're, no, they're not immaculate, but they have time to work things out. So we're going to kind of have to see, you know, ne- never bet against LeBron until he actually loses. Um, so uh, I, I'm excited for the, the playoffs, I think, this year, more so than I was last year when it just seemed like we were destined for, you know, Cavs, uh, Warriors, part four. I, I think that, you know, there's a chance, there's, there's a chance that we might be seeing, you know, a different team uh, from either conference, because I really like the Rockets, and if James Harden can shake his playoff woes, I think you know there's a chance they can beat the Warriors. A chance, not necessarily to make them the favorites, but I certainly wouldn't give the Warriors the the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, we still got 20 games left. I think you know the Warriors are starting to hit their stride a little bit. We saw it against the Thunder the other night. Oh yeah, smack. I mean, uh, it was a close game at the half, and then you know Draymond Green, um, you know, took stuff personally, and you know. Brought that team to Look what level. Zaza Pachulia was doing. I mean, falling over on Westbrook. Like, he looks, he, you know, Westbrook called him out for being a dirty player. From what I saw, I mean, it, it really didn't look like a... Yeah, that was about as dirty as it gets. I mean, Zaza Pachulia was basically standing there. I forget who who bumped into uh, Westbrook. Westbrook, but then Zaza was standing in front of him and just fell on his legs. And it looked like he was going right for his legs, too. Yep. So, you know, you, you heard Russell Westbrook post game. Um, he was basically just like, they asked him, um, if Zaza's a dirty player, and he said, yeah, for sure. I mean, a lot of these players, I mean, even Paul George said, we know what type of player Zaza Pachulia is. You know, we have to look out for him. Um, but, you know, obviously the Warriors players here in defensive, I still think he's a dirty player. And, you know, I'm really getting sick of his antics because, you know, he's only going after, you know, really good players on, you know, opposing teams that have a chance to beat them in the playoffs. So, you know, once is all right, but, you know, it gets old after a while. I 100% agree. I mean, this stuff... You know, you just want a clean basketball game. Obviously, you know, a little bit of friction between two teams isn't a bad thing, but when, you know, players are intentionally trying to hurt each other, that's when, you know, you start to have a problem. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it uh, for our episode today. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to like and subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at Pure Sports Net. Uh, like us on Facebook at Pure Sports Network. And check out our website at puresportsnetwork.com. I'm Matt Wyrick, and this is Kevin Haswell signing off. Kevin, any final last words for our people? Trust the process. Go Nats. All right, thank you all so much for listening, and have a good one.